Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this portion at the beginning of November 2023. And welcome to episode 122, a conversation with Julie Dixon. And oh my God, I'm still freaking out. <laughs> I'm still freaking out. <gasps> we wanted to have this conversation with her for so long. Yes. And I really, I think I was just like, uh, like mouth open, like <laughs> ridiculous. I wish I could go back and like ask her more questions, but another time, I guess. I, I just, I just feel like I was just like, let me just sit here and listen to Julie all day like, and bat my eyes, right? <laughs> She's so easy and to listen I was, to. I was just waiting for her to say, "And what did I say? <laughs> oh, what did you say? What did he say? What did she say? Yeah, right. Okay. Yep. Oh gosh, that's so good." <laughs> So, oh, so I didn't good. tell you. I met yeah. Ed Nolan. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he's one of the other authors of one of the making math sense of math teaching books that we always say they're Julie books. Yes. Yeah. yes. I met him at, uh, I think it was NCTM. It was in DC. Yeah. And nice. I was like, I've seen you on video lots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oy. my gosh. Yeah. That memory popped up. Was it? Six or seven years ago that we started that, yeah, book club. Like it was a long time ago that we've been doing yes. this. Yes, yeah, yes, a lot of years of learning, but it's been so enjoyable, Laura. I know, <laughs> I and I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. Ah, thank you. Same, same here. For real. And speaking same. of book club, uh, yes. listeners, we we have our what a nice segue. We did not plan that. <laughs> That works. That was so organic. Nicely done. Thank you. We have our Google sign-up sheet on the website right now. And yes. Karina's assuring me that when this drops this Sunday, it will also be on Twitter. So it's easy 100%. for everyone to find. Yes. But we already have one of our continuing book club members, Michelle. She already found it and signed up. Yes. So good job. Kudos to you, Michelle. Yeah. I can't wait to see the baby again. I I mean, Michelle too, but you know, I can't wait to see her baby again. Yes. (laughs) Okay. First, we want to give a shout out to our friend, Melissa, who I actually got to hug in DC. She tweeted about the, was it the, the last, the yet another Right. conversation with Annalise Record. It was part Correct. three of the BTC book club, not book club, uh, conference, that thing. Yep. Yes. Words. Y'all, it's, is it Monday? No, it's Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. night. I'm, I'm already tired. It's anyway, okay. Melissa said, make sure to catch the conclusion of at Annalise Record, reflecting on BTC conference with at Laura and Karina. Oh, and don't water the rocks. And she tagged Peter and she tagged, I think that's her district. Melissa, you're going to have to let me know at A-M-S-T-I-U-A-H. 
and at Sheila Holt 19, which I don't know if it's her boss or her coworker. So Melissa will have to let me know that too, but I got to hug Sheila at oh, okay. DC. Yes. P.S. at Mrs. Cousins 5, you. Your yes. blended classroom story definitely took me back. And she's got the laughing emoji. So yeah. I think that was about the Halloween day when right, we were like- Right, Mixing or uh, splitting kids, classes. Yeah, and the kids yes. were like, yeah, we don't do that in here. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, she doesn't, doesn't care happen. about the answer. She wants to yeah. know what you thought about. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yep. so you share your reflection that you have. Today, we started decimal division, and I gave them a problem, and my problem was just from the textbook, mm-hmm. right? Like nothing Was it a naked, naked number problem or words? No, words, words. I like to give context, right? Absolutely. Because then, then it, makes, it makes more sense to them. It was – I went to the store and I bought these fancy pens that I like and I, you know, went through the whole thing because you know I like my fancy pens. I do. And, and everyone was like, mm-hmm. even the students, <laughs> yep. And I said, and I bought three pens for $3.60. But I really want to know, like, how much was one pen? So it's a real nice, easy intro to, yes. uh, you know, division of decimals because there's so much there that you can do with it. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, one kid just like blurted out the answer, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and and I said, "You know, like that is not like who cares about that? I don't even I don't care about that. I want to know I've, all the other stuff that goes with it." So I'm like, "Okay, well, whatever. I mean, there's the answer. So now you, I guess, we know or we don't know. We don't. We'll see if that's if that is what it is, but." Now comes the interesting stuff. And so what I did was I, I took my little smart board bookmarker and I said, here's your challenge, right? So see if you can represent this concretely. So I put like a C on the on the whiteboard and I said, you're, look, you're using the manipulatives. You're going to try to show this in a way that makes sense. And then I put an R up and I've talked to them about this before. You know, I, it's not like this is the first time that they've ever heard of these you know, CRA. Mm-hmm. I put an R up and I said, and you're going to try to draw a picture of it. What does it look like? What? How, how can you represent this problem? And then you can do, you know, the numbers, whatever. You, I think you guys will be fine, but, but go, right? So go ahead and try. Try doing it different ways. So they all went up to their boards and they uh, just, you know, went with whatever they were doing. Concretely is always their last their last thing that they do, which is so interesting Hmm. because I think it's, they don't, they're not, that's the one that they're least comfortable with. Right. Did they use money? So I, well, (laughs) that was my, I should have had money out. I did not have money, like play money out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but one of the representations was money. One of the kids, they, one group showed like dollar bill and dimes. Right. So they, they did. That was the context. It was money. Right. Yes. So, okay, so they're going through concretely. That's the last thing. That's the last step. Because I'm still trying – I also – and yes, I, I'm thinking back. I absolutely should have had that play money out. But I'm still trying to get them to see base 10 blocks as ways to represent decimals. Like they're still not – they're still not seeing that. Like there's – anyway. Okay, so that's another, that's another thing. But because – 
the base 10 blocks are pretty dang abstract. They have to understand yeah. the yeah. relationship of one base 10 thing to, to the next. Yeah. And if they okay. don't understand it, then it's not really a great tool for them. Right. That's true. That's true. So they are working on it and there something something happened and I was talking to one of the one of the groups and you know I said I just said to them I said I want you to play with the numbers like this is the time to try different things like experiment with it and like there's no this is a safe space for you to do that there's it's not about getting the right or wrong answer or you know you have an answer already right. so now try different things and i it was almost like it gave them permission, the permission to actually do it right yeah. so then when i saw that that kind of like it was almost like a like a light was lifted or a light the, went on in their heads, yeah. right? For them, or like the weight has been the lifted off lifted, of their shoulders. Yeah. So they so they were okay. And then I said, I might as well do this for the whole group. So I paused everybody and I brought them all back to the center of the room. And I said the same thing. I said, listen, I want you guys to we don't play with our food because we've had issues with that too. Yeah. <laughs> we don't play with our food, but we can play with numbers. And I want you guys to play with numbers. Like try something new. It's okay if it fails. This is the time to try it and to see. Like maybe you can think of, I mean, obviously this is what what kind what are we doing here with this? Like what what thing are is is happening in this problem? And they were like division. I'm like, okay, but could we represent it? Like if we're looking around the room, are we representing it in different ways? Yes. Yeah. So somebody's like, oh, I see addition over here. I see, you know, subtraction over here, multiplication over here. I said, okay, so like maybe we could try it with other things too. Maybe we could, what do we know about division? We we know that. Well, someone had said it was repeated subtraction, mm -hmm. so that's where like that came in. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then I said, you know, we we even talked about in the last unit, we talked about the distributive property. Maybe you can distribute some. Uh, we talked about partial quotients. Maybe you could use partial quotients. You know, like trying to put these ideas in their heads that there's it's more than just one way. It's mm -hmm. all of these connections. And I kept reiterating when you make those connections, you're 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 becoming a stronger mathematician. You're seeing it in a better way. So anyway, so I think I just feel like reflecting on today. So thank you for that. I do feel like I should have had shame on me for not having actual money. It's okay. But, but this is why we reflect, right? Yes. This is why we reflect so that you can notice those things. But yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was overall though, like the work that they had on their boards – I was impressed. So I took pictures of everything, of course, and I'll I'll put it up. Uh, but I was just, I yeah, I was just really impressed with their perseverance and the amount of time. Like I didn't even feel like they needed another problem. I did give it to some of them. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, oops. It wasn't three pens that I bought. Oh, how silly of me. It was actually four pens that I bought. Nice. Gosh. Yeah, right. So like one of those. And they were like, really, Mrs. Cousins? Like this. I got that whole thing. And they're like, I don't have space on the board. I'm like, ooh, you do right here. Right? <laughs> Make it right in here. See what you can fit in that little spot. 
So, but they're just, their perseverance was just so good. And they just, they just kept working. And we, we, we didn't stop because they stopped. Like we just stopped because it was time to just move on. Right. It was a good day. You know, my good news is I had a good day too. Yay. (laughs) Yay. I had an hour set aside that the parents wanted. The parents wanted to come in and learn math. Oh, yay. Yes. So probably about a month ago, my principal was outside. It was actually a cool, windy day for Florida. You know, it was probably, I don't know, 59 or so. It was like one of those. We had like three cool days last month. It was one of those days. And she has Café y Conversación because I have a, a huge Spanish population. Sure, so yeah. out in the front of the building, which this was something new, she had tables out there and donuts and coffee, and it's just a time for parents to come and just talk with the principal. Right. Well, I was in the PLC, and at one point, it was near the end of the PLC, and I hear on the walkie, um, you know, Ms. Tomas, can you come out front? So I go out there and Mind you, I don't have a jacket on because I didn't, I didn't even know where they were meeting. So I go outside and the parents were like, we, we need to have a math class with you. We, we have to, I have to know these strategies. Yada, yada. So I set up this thing and I called it learn math with Miss Tomas. Nice. Okay? I had 26, I think, parents sign up. Which wow. freaked me out because I was like, uh, that's a lot for one yeah. class for for this intention. I mean, I've done parent math nights, but like I've had a, a you know, specific focus and everything. Well, right. I even put on the thing, please tell me exactly what you want, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, help my child learn math. That doesn't help me. Like <laughs> right. I need to know more specifics. Anyway, this morning comes... Nine parents come. P.S. I have to pause that story and tell you that when I was at lunch duty today, one of the students came up to me and said, I thought you were going to take me at nine or eight o'clock this morning because the thing was eight to nine. And I said, what's your name? And she tells me, and I know that her parents were like, because I asked for the child's name and, right, and the right. name. I knew she was on my list. I go, oh, honey, that was for your mom to come to learn math. Yes. So I think there might've been a little miscommunication that parents thought I was taking their children away from their teacher. Well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Right. No, this was a class for parents. So nine parents show up and I had to have the Spanish translator and our Haitian Creole translator come upstairs too. So there were 12 of us in the room, which was fantastic. Yeah. The thing that I... I asked them first, like, how comfortable do you feel with math? And I had them do like a logic lineup. And most of them, you know, math, they they don't know what we're doing these days, right? Right. Right. And then I have them sit down and I, oh, before we sat down, I showed them the, I don't know, I had like 12 strategies for addition and subtraction up and I think nine for multiplication and division. And I said, take pictures of all these, please. One parent at the end wanted a set. I was like, no problem. I will happily give you a set. And I decided to focus on the area model. Yes. 
So what was the first thing I brought out? Um, uh, tiles. Color, color tiles. tiles. Absolutely. So I dropped yep. a whole bunch of color tiles on each table and I asked them to build a rectangle with squ- with 12 square tiles. So what am I looking for? I'm looking for different ways. Three, four, are- two, six, right. One, exactly. 12, yeah. Right. So I pull up on the smart panel and plus I had graph paper, different size, yeah. you know, squares on the graph paper from like bigger to medium to like really small. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry I gave you this one. It's it's really, really small, but like I couldn't even see it very well. Anyway, I digress. They make their squares and on the smart panel, I pulled up the whiteboard part and I hit the graph paper part. So I was actually drawing what they had built. And yes. I think they only came up with, I think two or three at the beginning. And I said, "Is are there any other ways to make these square tiles?" And I hear no, and I was like, "Well, let, let's think about it. Let's let's see if there's any other way." So I get them to do the reverse orientation. Yeah, right. Right. But the the one that stuck, one person finally said one row of twelve, and I was like, "Okay." So I drew that one, and I'm waiting, and I'm and finally someone says one by twelve, like yeah. Right, right, right. Or 12 by one. That's what I meant to right. say, 12 by one. So I had them draw it on the graph paper using yeah. the actual squares and labeling, of course. And then I gave them a blank piece of copy paper. And I said, all right, now we're going to draw it on this one, to, of course, to make it more abstract, but also right. to show them that, you know, when you're drawing the three by four array, the three columns, I mean, sorry, the three rows are going to be a smaller distance than the four columns. Like still right. try to make it ish. I was like, don't trace, you know, don't trace right, your right. paper. But so we get through that now in hindsight, cause we're always reflecting. I should yeah. have done something smaller than this. But the next one I said to them was build me a 15 by 15 array. And the whole point Ooh. of that was that I wanted right. them to be able to break it up into smaller pieces. Okay. So they all worked together at each table. I was like, work with each other, help each other, you know, build. Because I I said, it's very important. I need you to actually build it so you could actually see it. I said, how are we going to figure out how many? And I was like, who has time to go one, two, three, four? Right. And they're like, well, I would just multiply 15 by 15. So I write 15 times 15, the standard algorithm way. Right, right, right. And, right. And, you know, as I'm writing the equal sign underneath, I said like this. And they said, yeah. I said, well, what if you don't know how to do that yet? Right. What do you, what could you possibly do? So as they're thinking, I'm drawing the 15 by 15 outline on the smart panel, which by the way, I couldn't get it. You know how you can get it to go really small? Yes. Mine is possessed. I don't know. And it wouldn't go like smaller than I wanted to. And I just made it to the tippy top of the 15, (laughs) like- for for all the rows. We had a great discussion about rows and columns and right. vertical and horizontal. And yeah. they were getting it confused. So I gave my movie theater story, which was right. so you get you go to the movie theater and you're sitting in row D. What do you have to do? You you're walking up the steps. Right. Row A is going this way, row B, row C to row D. So I think they were getting it. And then Um, I was like, all right, so what are we going to do? Because this is way too much up here. So finally, one dad said, uh, I did have a dad there, believe it or not. 
Woo. Yay. Shout out for dads being there too. So he said, what if we chop it by fives? He goes, I know there's three fives in 15. So I put five, 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 and I chopped it. And I said, what do you want to do with the columns? Five, five, five. So now we have these nine squares that are five by five inside. And I said, all right, so how many squares are in here? And they're all like 25, 25. So then I said, what do you know about 25s? And they said, a quarter. Four of them, right? Keep going. Yes, a dollar. So I circled four 25s in the, just, you know, I circled the numbers that I wrote down. Yes. Yes. And I was like, okay, so that's 100. I did it again, 200, and then 25 left over. So then I said, okay, is there any other way? So I went to the next page. I redrew it. I'm letting them think nothing. I'm getting nothing. And I said, and I taught them about friendly numbers. I said, I teach your kids the most friendly number is 10 or any multiple of 10. And then I go, I start counting and then by hundreds and by thousands. And I said, my, the next most friendly number is five. So then I showed them about place value, you know, breaking that 15 up into 10 and five. So we had a 10 by 10 section, a 10 by five, a 10 by five and the five by five. And so we added all up and I'm like, Oh, look, we still got 225. And then I said, I'm giving you a homework assignment. Said, now I want you to come up with another way to right. solve 15 times 15 using the area model. Yeah. Nice. How's that? Right? Yeah. So I'm gonna follow, that's great. I'm going to follow up with them tomorrow. I'm going to write them a letter or a text or an email or some, however I can communicate with them and say, I'd like your homework back by Friday. <laughs> <laughs> And see what they no, that's do. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I thought the next time I'll do partial products because then I can mm-hmm. connect that. Yeah. And then, and that'll be the bridge to standard algorithm. Right. But most of the parents that were there had kids in third grade. So I thought, what a great time to yes. have them Area build, model. draw, write, mm-hmm. think and talk. Right. Yes. Yep. So that's my good news. Yay. Listeners, listen, you are in for a huge treat. I know our intro went relatively long. A little long. over. A little long, but we, we both had like really good yeah, things exciting. to say, right? Mm-hmm. So this might be a longer episode than normal, but hey, you do it in three commute days instead of one or two, That's right? right. <laughs> and now here's a conversation with Julie Dixon. Karina, you and I are so excited to have this guest on today. We've been wanting this for a very long time, haven't we? Very long time. I'm not going to lie. I am fangirling a little bit, Julie. I've got to tell you because, okay. Okay. We'll take you that. We're going to go all the way back, right? Yes. I have the photo right here that I'm going to show you two. Okay. And then I'll put this one on Twitter when we do the thing. Okay. Yep. This was in 2016. In the summer of 2016, Karina, what happened? I moved schools and I was hired for a fifth grade position and I was coming from third grade reading and writing mostly. I had done math a little bit here and there, but I hadn't really been completely immersed in teaching it completely, you know, in like departmentalized. But this was all subjects and fifth grade math. And I was nervous because I didn't know... She was freaking I out. was. I was. I was like, I, I don't know any of it. Like, I wasn't I, I wasn't scared of it. I just was nervous that I wasn't going to do a good job, right? Because I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to do – I wanted to do right by the kids and I wanted to make sure that 
I didn't look like a fool. So I told her, I'm like, you're going to have to teach me all of it. I don't know what the heck partial quotients are, what that is. And I've heard the fifth grade teachers talking about it. So I need to know what that is. And she's like, okay, we'll do a book club this summer. So I I, I had people come over my house. Okay. And we're using the making sense of mathematics for teaching, but tell her what I Tell Julie what so I did. So I said, I was like, I was like, okay, let's let's dive in. I've, I, I'm going to buy the three through five. And she's like, no, you're not. You're going to buy the K through two because we're going to do that first. And then we'll do the three through five. I'm like, okay. All right. Were, that's fine. No, you were I was, I was, you I were was mad. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit. But I understand. I mean, I understood. I just wanted to get into like the meat of what I was going to be teaching. But I... I mean, though that book, both of them, both of those books, and then the small group book, we did that mm-hmm. as a book club. I think the next summer, I think those we did. books yeah. were so like foundational to how I teach today. Like I still, when I watch those videos, and thank God, thank you for those videos. I got to tell you, I wish more authors put videos in their books like that. When I watch those videos, it just made sense. It started to click. And I can't tell you how many times I've said in my classroom, what did he say? (laughs) What did he say? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all the time. So thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Like you really did. You've changed me as a teacher so much, which is why I'm I'm so excited that you're here with us today. So listeners, Truly. in case you haven't figured this out, we have Julie Dixon <laughs> <laughs> on with us today. Julie, thank you so much for being here and tell the listeners everything about you. Go ahead. <laughs> Wow. Well, I'm grinning ear to ear and I'm blushing. So thank you for that that lead up. That was fabulous. And I sort of feel like I have to have my daughter Alex listen to this podcast because she's preparing to take her early childhood teaching licensure exam for Massachusetts. And she just asked me to send her the K2 book and we're going to start a book study together. Nice. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. (laughs) So I need her to know that someone found it valuable and it will hopefully help her as well to prepare to teach young learners and to pass the test to do so. So a little bit about myself. I have been at the University of Central Florida for a very long time. (laughs) Go Knights! Charge on. Charge on. Since 2000. And I think you have a child who goes there, right? I do. Christian's in his sophomore year. So that's wonderful. Thank you for trusting uh, him, us with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am really passionate about supporting each and every learner to make sense of mathematics. And I do that through developing teachers' content knowledge for teaching mathematics. I do a lot of classroom video because I'm working to create a shared image of what that looks like during instruction. That's sort of what I do. Why I do it is based on this passion for mathematics and understanding mathematics, but also for supporting each and every learner. Many people know that Alex, I've already talked to you about her, is a a child, she was, she's now an adult, but she was a child who struggled to learn following a stroke and she needed strategies to make sense of the mathematics. Memorization was not something that was gonna work for her. And so how could I 
create an environment where she would be welcome to be successful. And that has a lot to do with teacher's content knowledge for teaching. My other daughter, Jessica, uh, also uses strategies to make sense of mathematics and is an extremely high achiever in mathematics. So for my own children, seeing they needed these vastly different sorts of supports, but both grounded in teachers' understanding of math for teaching. So that's a long introduction, but no, that's that's, that's fantastic. No. What year did Alex have her stroke? 2010. 2010. And that's right when Common Core came out. And the reason I, I was asking about that, because you're talking about strategies, is because the year before Common Core came out, I had found the book Math Matters by, I think it's Suzanne Chapin, is it? I'm going to have to look. I, I've started bringing my books back to school, so I don't have it here with me. That book changed the way that I taught math at first, because like when Karina said about partial quotients, that was in there. And I'd never seen that before. And I was like, well, let me see what this is all about. So I feel like I got a boost ahead of Common Core, mm. which also, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking to one of the authors of one of the curriculums we used in Palm Beach County, right? Yes. Yeah. So Go Julie math. was a one of the authors of Go Math. And mm-hmm. that was, Karina, you were still teaching third grade at that time, but that was when I was teaching fifth grade and we had to spend six weeks on division. And we're like, what the heck is happening here? Right. But I feel like I knew it because the year before I found that other book. So um, when you talk about teaching strategies to Alex and Jessica, I think those are the strategies. Like, tell us more about the strategies mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Right. So what you said is, is so true, that change in how we were expected to know and teach mathematics was, was substantial. And before the Common Core, we had the curriculum focal points, which guided our first major change in Florida's state standards to be more uh, rigorous. And um, Go Math was written in response to those first. Okay. Actually, I did a lot of the writing of Go Math in the ICU sitting next to my daughter. Oh, and wow. the strategies that we developed had to do with students being able to rely on understanding to reach for procedures as opposed to memorizing rules that were poorly understood. And so that's really the big change. And that's what's so important for learners who struggle. If they can't remember and we've only taught them to memorize, we've given them nothing else. High achievers, even if they're anxious, if we've only taught them to memorize and anxiety makes it more difficult to get to those memories, we've given them no other tools. But when we teach strategies and we teach for understanding, even though those strategies may be less efficient, they give us someplace to go when we don't remember. We still want the efficient strategies. We still want students just to know, but we're looking at that with an eye on but it's likely there'll be many instances when they don't. Let's give them the tools to reach for understanding when they can't remember. Can we please just shout all that from oh like the gosh. top of Mount Everest for the world? Everything you just said. That that's... yeah, we could stop the podcast right there. That was like that was gold. That was fa- we're not going to though. We're continuing. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
so I know that you, well, Karina and I both know, and hopefully other people know, that you have recently come out with another book, The Fact-Tastics Fluency Program, Building Reasoning Skills for Multiplication in Grades 3 through 6. This is something that I have been wanting to talk to you about since I found out that this was coming out. So the my first question, I have many questions for you, is where did you do this research and how did you come up with this program? So it's been a lifetime of focusing on sense-making. And it really started with helping Alex, my daughter, to relearn mathematics because she couldn't just use memorization. She had to move back to, to understanding. And so what was that understanding based upon? And what were we going to do when she didn't remember? So I started looking at how can we build from understanding? I already knew that we wanted to focus on properties of operations. There's uh, substantial research to say, what do we need for algebra readiness, right? So for algebra readiness, National, National, National Mathematics Panel wrote about this a while ago. But for algebra readiness, students do need facility with computation. They need to understand the properties of operations and, and um, use properties of operations in solving problems. So they need to understand multiplication, be able to use it well, but also use the properties of operation. So when we spend all this instructional time on memorizing the basic facts, and then students develop anxiety through time tests. So it's harder to get to what you've memorized. We're creating this vicious cycle. But instead, if we used a lot of the time to focus on how can we apply the properties of operations to multiply, then we're, we're getting a better return on our investment of time because we're working on those properties that we'll need later in algebra. And we're giving something for students to rely on when they don't remember. So the 10,000 hours was in developing the order of the facts to, to uh, end up with automaticity and fluency through this more productive way of focusing on multiplication. Okay. Uh, so I read, listen, I read the whole book, but the first 25 pages have all the great stuff in it. And one of the things that uh, you had written down was that students have to be fluent with twos, fives, and three times three. So one of my other questions is, what do we do when students aren't fluent with their twos and fives? And you and I both know fluent doesn't mean we can skip count by twos and fives. So what do we do with those kids first? Well, you're going to be surprised with my answer, but maybe we just let them skip count by twos and fives. Okay. okay. Derived fact, like by definition, is that you can use other facts to get there. And if we don't have other facts to start, then what do you build upon? The reason I use twos and fives as something to build upon is because students can have access to them through song, through this other part of their brain when they're just memorizing the routine of, of counting the multiples, the skip counting. We had to pick something or else there'd be, it'd take too long to build, build that fluency. And so it's not perfect, but for me, it's much more likely that students will know twos and fives than any other fact. A hundred percent. So we have to start someplace. Let's just start it there. What I tried to do is take this, this approach that's real. This isn't a full on, we're going to discover everything. 
This is, we're going to start someplace and build on it. We're starting with the twos and fives. You might ask why I also said three times three, because three times three isn't that interesting. (laughs) There's not a lot of different facts to use to derive three times three. So if I'm starting a program with let's make sense on how to derive facts, and the first fact needs to be three times three, I've just lost you. So, But if we just know three times three, then we can use that as one of our derived facts for the rest of the 20 weeks. Awesome. So uh, my next one, you wrote a lot about additive versus multiplicative reasoning, but can you tell our listeners the difference between them? Sure. So I I talk about like these three things. One is like skip counting, which we've already talked about. That's this memorization and and there's not a lot of math to it. It's it's more like just uh, knowing the order of things, like learning the alphabet. Mm -hmm. There can be math to it, but there doesn't have to be, right? You can just learn it through songs. After that, there's additive reasoning. We're using that to begin to make sense of multiplication as we have this number of groups and we have how much is in each group and we can draw them and we can add them, we can uh, count them. So it's sort of like counting and then adding, but we're not deriving the answers from any other multiplication. It's all based on counting and then from counting, adding. Multiplicative reasoning you're getting to some multiplication based on using other multiplication. That's where the derived facts come into play. So you use facts you know to get to the facts you're targeting. Can I ask you why not 10? A lot of times we say, you know, the the doubles, so times two, times five, but times 10 is also really important. And how, how do we teach multiplying by 10 without saying add the zero? Because that is something that is, I am having to undo every year. Yeah. And when we do that, when we teach just to add the zero, the issues we have with place value and then the relationship across place places like 10 yes. more Decimal. or one. Right. Becomes, right. So why not 10? Well, it's all in how I defined basic facts. Basic facts have two different definitions. One, the most common though, is single digit factors. Mm. Multiplication of single digit factors. And that's the definition I used because um, I feel that 10 times 10, 11 times 11, and 12 times 12 are more like extending the basic facts. You can, once you know 10 times anything, right, you can find... 11 times and 12 times with multiplicative reasoning, you're absolutely using multiplicative reasoning unless you're just adding a zero, which is a problem, right? So how do you teach this idea of multiplying by 10? Uh, Part of it would be in truly making sense of place value. One of the ways I make sense of place value is using this idea that came from Vanderbilt and Purdue, the, the candy shop. And so when we think about this candy shop, we package candy. So if our candy go in pieces, rolls, or boxes, right? How many pieces? You know, I know you're remembering this. I'm seeing yes. How many pieces would fit in a, in a roll? Well, we're going to say 10. How many rolls then would fit in a box? Well, we're going to say 10. So once we have that structure, we've got a context to make sense of place value. So when we have this context to make sense of place value, we can use it to make sense of multiplying by 10. So instead of having pieces of candy, we wanna know how much candy when we have rolls of candy. 
right? So we have three pieces, we just have three. But if we have three rolls of candy, well, in each of those pieces, and each of those rolls is 10 candies, the three rolls then become 30 candies, 10, 20, 30. So we are using a little bit of additive reasoning because we can count by tens to get there, but we're not adding a zero, we're, we're adding tens. Right, right. I forgot about the candy pieces, rolls, and box. Yeah, the candy shop. Which, yeah. which book did you mention that in? The Was K2. that in the three five? Or the K2? No, K2, and, and the there's K2. a video introducing, you know, with the QR code, there's a video introducing children in grade two to the candy shop in that. That's awesome. And listeners, I will put everything in the show notes so you can just click away and order the books. And yeah, they're amazing. Okay. So another question I have for you is, I know it says on there, building reason- reasoning skills for multiplication grades three through six. Karina and I were having this discussion the other day and she's like, write this question down. This is a good one for Julie. Do you think it's too, quote, early in third grade to do this program because they are literally just learning about multiplication? I think it's too early to use this program at the first day of school. (laughs) Yes. That once students have made sense of multiplication as groups of objects through context, through word problems, Mm -hmm. then we can begin. Because they've probably already learned to skip count twos and fives in previous grades. So make sense of multiplication as groups of objects. So they understand the order of the factors. They understand that, that we have this convention that the first factor is the number of groups, the second factor is the number of objects in each group, or the first factor is the number of rows in an array, the second factor is the number of objects in each row. Once they have that understanding, they're ready to, to launch. Because if we wait for some of those students and they go to memorizing first, then the motivation to develop the multiplicative reasoning is lessened. So to me, the ideal time is middle of third grade. Okay. Which brings me to another question. After school tutorial, right? It's, we're, we're already starting it actually this week as we're recording this, we're starting ELA tutorial. And I know in February, once the kids take the progress monitoring in December and we get all the data and we disaggregate it and yada, yada, yada in January, we're going to do math tutorial starting in February. How can I have my teachers use this for math tutorial? And would it be possible? It, it would be. I'm actually working with a district in Colorado to plan a summer camp for students, and they're going to use the, the Fact Tactics Fluency Program for the summer camp. I have a teacher in sixth grade who's planning to use it during intervention time. So there's different ways to use the program. You just have to modify it. The idea of the program is that once the students understand multiplication, have their twos and their fives and three times three, and an accommodation could be to provide those for them if they don't have them and continue to work on those, there's 20 facts that need to be introduced in order. So I, I don't know how many meetings you would have. So it would but, probably be, I mean, tutorial, usually I'll just say it boils down to about one hour after school, and it's probably going to be nine weeks. Is it worth the kid's time to 
make these connections for nine weeks? Well, you tell me as we're uh, focusing on, on your data, do you assume students are going to have issues with their basic facts and yes. with multiplicative <laughs> reasoning? Yes. So it's worth it. It's worth it even if they don't finish the program, they don't have time to finish the program to develop these ways of thinking so that they can reach back to them. But, but you got to go in order and you've got to do the facts introduced one at a time. Which because if is you don't, killer during the school year because off. it's the school year. It's like, here, today you learn times two and tomorrow learn times 10 and the next day learn times five and then times three and then times six and then times nine and then four and eight and then seven gets, you know, thrown in there somewhere, right? Unless... Right which is the worst, you know, times zero, times one, times two, times three. I hope nobody's doing that anymore. So how can I combat this? Because I'm, I'm literally in the midst right now for subbing for one of my friends who were in the multiplication unit. And that's literally how the, the scope is laid out. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I understand why it ends up that way, because this, this program, really, it took 10,000 hours to figure that order. But when we have programs that just do the fours or just do the sixes, we are teaching students to skip count. And if we want them to develop their properties of operations, and if we want them to develop multiplicative reasoning and to be able to, rep later grades, to re be able to represent uh, equivalent expressions, Right? We can do all of this as we're developing fact fluency if we use a strategic order. So it's, it's a, there's some aspect of buying into it, right? Yes, I want my students to learn this. And then a response could be, well, I don't have time. My response to that is how much time are we spending on drilling and killing? And what's the result? We're starting over again and over again and over again. So I think we do have the time. We just need to decide to spend it this way. And people also might say, what do we do with our students who already know their facts? Well, if they learn them through strict memorization, first we apologize to them. Yes. Because they've missed a great opportunity to develop multiplicative reasoning. Mm -hmm. And then what we use are the challenge tasks that come with each week. Because... We focus so much on our students who struggle, as we should, and we focus on so much of our, on our students who are described as being on the bubble, just on the verge of reaching proficiency, that we lose the students who need more. It's very difficult for teachers, nearly impossible, to find ways to challenge our students who need more with all of the pressures on teaching. So what I provided in each week of this 20-week program is a challenge task for students who already know their basic facts so that they can apply the properties of operations to these other multiplication problems. And I organized them so they would use similar strategies to those that the students focusing on their basic facts might be using during fact tactic. Okay, so when are you gonna do the addition one? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I've been asked that, and every because time I where write it starts, book, I say, you yeah, know, when are you going to do that next book? And I keep saying this is my last book. No, it's not. No, no, no. no. Well, for this though, this program, there's so much to multiplicative reasoning to build an entire program. 
I'm not sure. And, and just with basic facts, I'm not sure I have enough to build a program for addition. Like maybe I'm not done thinking about it. You're not done I thinking have, about it. Give me <laughs> Hello, hours, then. <laughs> no, really give me 10,000 hours. Cause that's how long it'll take. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't figured that out. Okay. But I hear you. It's important because as students are exploring number pairs and as they're using strategies like make a 10, they are developing what we need. They're deriving facts for addition Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're developing early properties of operations with the associative property for addition. But I don't know if I have a whole book's worth in that. Maybe a paper. Okay. Uh, listen, I'll take a paper. We'll take a paper. We'll take a paper. <laughs> I just said that out loud. Did you just you did. And it was recorded. I'm just saying, Julie, not that I'm going to hold that over you, but I might. Um, <laughs> now, Julie, you did talk. I think we, I don't think we were recording when, when you talked about drill and kill. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I, I know it's, it's happening in classrooms that they're, they're doing it again and again. And, um, yeah, I just want to, I want the view, the listeners to hear you say what you said before we recorded. So when we focus on memorization, is this what you mean? Yes. We give, okay. When we focus on memorization, we give this one pathway to get to the response we're looking for. So if we keep saying six times seven equals 42, six times seven equals 42, let's practice it, let's practice it. It's still one pathway. And when you're hungry, you're tired, you're stressed, anxious, those pathways can get disrupted. Now, I'm speaking of this, thinking about my younger daughter who's getting her PhD in neuroscience at Harvard, thinking, I hope I'm actually right, because this is my understanding of that, my, my layman's understanding of this neuroscience. But when we do that, we're spending an awful lot of time on one way. And when the students can't remember that one way, they've got nothing. Mm-hmm. But if we teach them these different strategies, then when they're stressed and they can't remember the actual fact, just six times seven equals 42, they have other ways to get there. And looping back to my daughter, Jessica, who's at Harvard, you ask her how she knows six times seven is 42. And she says two times seven and triple. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's also our high achievers who can rely on strategies appropriately to get to their fact. Mm -hmm. This isn't something for students who struggle. It's for every student who thinks. Mm, that was awesome. And I'm just going to say with your layman's terms, you're right. Because Karina and I, what year was this? When was, when was your... Uh, 2013. My uh, Alex. Your um, Alex. Was, yeah. She was pregnant with her Alex. And mm. we went to Texas to go to Eric Jensen's Teaching with the Brain and Mind conference. And so everything that you were saying, yes, is correct. And I also have read a few other books about learning, <laughs> right? Big surprise. Just a few. Mm-hmm. Just a few. And yes, you, you are right on. When you are in that state, you your learning shuts down, whatever state you, that is, hunger, tired, stressed, anxious, all of those states. You you can't. It's, it's kind of like your fight or flight, yeah. right? That's what happens when you're in those states. 
I just find that a lot of times when kids get stuck, they don't know how to get unstuck and they know that they're stuck, right? Like I've seen it so many times. I just saw it last week when we were taking an assessment. This one girl got stuck and she knew her answer was wrong because her answer wasn't there. But because, you know, she's doing using standard algorithm and she's not there yet, she's still an additive thinking. She really is an additive thinking. And she just didn't know what else to do. And so, and she just, she kept getting, she did first question wrong, second question wrong, third question wrong. And I could see her, like she was just welling up because she knew she was doing it wrong. And I, I said, okay, do you have any other strategy that you can use? Do you have anything else, any other model, anything that you can do at this point? And then she's like, well... I guess I could use the the area model. And so she did that. And I'm like, why why did you wait so long? <laughs> but she did that. And I was telling Laura, I think I said this in an intro just recently, but she started with nine times nine and she literally wrote nine nines. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so I, you know, I looked at it. And I said, okay, let's start with five, five nines. Do you know five nines? And she got there. She was skip counting, but she got there. And then I said, do you know two nines and two nines? And she got there too. So she was able to get there, but she didn't know what to do. She just got stuck. And I feel like when we hammer in like that drill and kill and when we when we say you have to do it this way, you, you know, yes, standard algorithm is efficient. But if they can't get there, it's not it's not efficient for them. Exactly. And problem solving really does occur when we when we figure out something to do when we don't know. Mm, yes. Right. And yeah. and if we're not giving students tools to, to fall back on, then we're missing this whole idea of problem solving. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's what we need, problem solvers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we can ask Siri. We can just use our calculator on our phone. You know, what what is six times seven? That's not the point. We want them to be able to yeah. figure things out because in real life, we need problem solvers. That's what we yes. need. Right? We have so many problems in this world that need to be fixed. And that's what we need. We need people who can fix it and think through it and not just standard algorithmize. That's not a word, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> it. Right? It might need to be. Right? <laughs> might need to be. <laughs> Get that, Webster. Okay. Um, is there anything else from the Factastics program that you want teachers to know? I want them to know it's Factactics. Sorry. Factactics. <laughs> Yep, I'm reading it. I'm looking right at it. It's yeah. not what did I say? Factastics? Yeah, because it's fantastic. fantastic. So yeah, it's fact tactics. Yep. Okay. Yes. That would be a good to- thing to do. Yes. Get the title right, Laura. Sorry, it's been a long day. <laughs> it's all good. I want people to know that I tried to create a program with teachers' ridiculously hectic lives in mind. So you talked about the first 25 pages. That's the background. That's the the meat of what the program is about and why it works. But after that, you've got these 20 weeks, a fact per week, and sometimes a partner fact, because that's all we really need. Once we know our twos, our fives, and three times three, there's 20 facts with some partner facts. We've talked about six times seven a few times, the partner fact of seven times six. So that I've offered 20 suggestions. 
for how to do this. Each week, here's the strategy students could come up with. Here's how you might display them. Here's ways to make sense of those strategies. Here's ways to practice. Each week, I already talked about the extension task for students who already know, but there's also a mini assessment, five problems asking students to tell us, do they just know the fact or did they use a fact-tactic strategy? If so, what one? So that there's also a way to keep track of where students are. Orange County Public Schools is starting, uh, I think 15 or 20 of their schools are starting to use the program in October this month. And they are creating, they've created this, um, Kayla Blakenship created this table where she, you can record the students know the fact, just know it. Did they get it wrong? Or if, did they use a strategy? So we can see how are they developing fluency using those mini assessments that come each week. So there's also ways for you to collect data because a lot of schools are really looking for that data on student success. So it's all there for you. Just commit. I guess that's my message. Commit to developing multiplicative reasoning in our students. Mic drop. <laughs> yep. I love that. It was either 2012 or 2013 that I first heard you at the FCTM conference. Uh, and I know it had to have been one of those because 2012 was the first year I attended the FCTM conference. But I, I just want to tell you that you have had such an impact on me that you are not even aware of because mm -hmm. when you talked about the unproductive teaching practices, what am I trying to say? I know you know you know what I'm trying to say. What is it? The six unproductive practices, teaching that, practices. Yes. Even as far back as that, you have had such a positive impact on the way that I not only teach students, but that I, as a math coach, teach teachers. So mm -hmm. listen, I'm going to cry now because I just, I want to tell you how amazing you are. You, yeah, you really same. are. And, and, you know, in 2016, when Karina was jumping ship and going to another school and changing grade levels, and I made her start with the K2 book, like we literally had someone bring a projector hook it up to my computer. You were on my wall in my house. Yeah, we watched the videos. Mm -hmm. Like we really did. And I and that started it all for us. Like can we can we just really be real about that? Like Absolutely. I don't think I don't think this podcast would have happened if it wasn't for your book. I don't think I because that's and all the book studies that we've done since then it's because of that one book study. Like it, that's what started it all for, for us. Yes. Um, it really, really has. Like that's why this was a big deal for me today. It's like, oh my God, like this is, this is like you were the start of it. So no yeah. idea. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, you were. You. you were the beginning of it all. Because I, I have a picture on there and it says, I even went back to my calendar and I have for that calendar for that two hours, I have math peeps because that's what I used to call us. My math peeps. Mm -hmm. We're all coming over and we're doing our book study. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's which amazing. then blossomed into this, which yeah. Karina and I talked about doing a podcast for years and yeah. in 2020 is when we started. COVID. Mm -hmm. Yep. COVID, <laughs> COVID really got us into it. 
uh, because we're like, well, what else do we have to do? (laughs) It's summer. Might as well. (laughs) But you were the start of it all. That's crazy. And thank you. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. you. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, my husband's in the next room. I hope he heard all that. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, you can, when this episode comes out, you can just fast forward to the end and be like, listen to this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, thank thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you you more than we can tell you. This was so much fun. And thank you. Thanks for all that you do for math education. Laura, that was so amazing. I, I feel like I was a little speechless, a little lost for words. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I was fangirling. I really was. She, Julie has made such an impact on both of us as math teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so glad we were able to tell her that because – yeah, I mean, how would she know if we didn't she wouldn't know. We tell her, right? Yeah, and every year when so. I see her at FCTM, I, I don't have the opportunity to be like, right, Julie, oh my gosh, let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like I, I could just listen to her all day. I mean, she's yes. just so, so calm and so rational. Like everything she said, she's like, well, that makes sense. Like right. why doesn't <laughs> – why doesn't everybody know that and hear that and and just gravitate towards that? I, I mean, it's just and again, yeah. just one of those people that has so much knowledge and mm-hmm. so thankful she was able to share that um, all of her wisdom, well, some of her wisdom with us. Because I'll tell you, when I see her speak in person, again, she just imparts so much more knowledge. That yes. it's just amazing. <sighs> wow. Right? Another wow. wow. Yeah. Another <laughs> wow. Yeah. Another wow. All right, listeners, our challenge for you this week is, and I'm going to say the name of the book correctly now, you need to get <laughs> the Fact Tactics Fluency yes. Program, Building Reasoning Skills for Multiplication in Grades 3 through 6 by Julie K. Dixon. We'll have to ask her what the K stands for because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Julie, let me know. (laughs) Just because I'm nosy. I don't know. (laughs) That's funny. I'm sure you can find it online somewhere. Maybe. I don't, I've, I mean, she always writes her books, Julie K. Dixon. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll ask, you know what? I'll ask her when I see her in DC. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that was a great one. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.